Hey friends, before I get to the episode, I want to take a moment to address 2022 Supreme Court decision to overturn Roe v. Wade. This decision stripped away the right to have a safe and legal abortion. I know I was feeling some grief with this decision on Friday, and apparently 5,000 of my closest friends were too, as I had a social media post about the court decision that went viral. That was a little scary. I'm not a super political person in the public eye, but I couldn't really stand back and just watch with this one. I think everyone should have the freedom to decide what's best for them and their families, including when it comes to ending a pregnancy. And this decision has dire consequences for individual health and safety and could have harsh repercussions for other landmark decisions. Restricting access to comprehensive reproductive care, including abortion, threatens the health and independence of all Americans. I feel it's so important that we all understand every bit of this decision and what we can do to help. I wanted to bring you an important resource. Learn more by visiting choice.crd.co. That's choice.crd.co. If you're able to support others, please consider donating to abortion funds. I encourage you to speak up, take care, and spread the word. Welcome to So Sorry for Your Loss. This is not your average grief group. I'm Gianna DiMedio. Thanks for joining me as we normalize the conversation around grief with the stories of those who've gone through it, a whole lot of humor, and a pinch of celebrity and entertainment news. Because fun fact, they grieve too. There's more to grief than that godforsaken dove flying over a willow tree on a sympathy card. I know you've seen it and know what I mean. Let's change the way society looks at it. Visit ssfylpodcast.com for more. Thanks so much for being here at So Sorry for Your Loss. Another great episode today. I am Gianna Demedio. Today we have Reed Peterson. He is a griever just like you and I, but really dove into this world, not just in like a personal sense, a professional sense as well. He went on to get a master's degree in transpersonal psychology, and he's certified in death and grief studies by the Center for Loss and Life Transition. One of my favorite parts of this episode is when he tells me about a certain theory that he learned that kind of lives as a parallel to the Kubler-Ross five stages of grief. I really latched onto these. I'll be doing more on social with it, but wait till you get to that part. Really, really good, really enlightening. He had several losses in his life, including both his father and a stepfather that shaped his relationship with grief and how he went on to start his company, Grief Refuge, an amazing app that is super helpful with your grief journey. So after the episode, obviously, I want you to stay and listen to this first, but make sure after the episode, you go to your app store on your phone, type in Grief Refuge, and you'll find meditations, you'll find a grief tracker, which is super helpful, you'll find journaling prompts that you you can do and just another support system in this world of grief. So listen to Reed's story, connect with him on social. If you'd like, connect with me on social. I love meeting all of you at So Sorry with Gianna. And hey, don't forget to check out all the skies. That's right, my new shop is up and running. So if you're looking for a sympathy gift for someone or looking to just find something for yourself to treat yourself a little bit, there's some really cute apparel on the site. And I had a photo shoot the other day, so we're gonna get some really good professional photos of all these products. You can really see the beautiful details in all of them. That'll be up soon. But check that out at shopalltheskies on Instagram and shopalltheskies.com. Here we go, Reed Peterson. 
Hi, how are you? Hey, Sorry for good that to meet you. You too. Reed Peterson, you have been through so much grief in your life and you've kind of taken it. I say that I've made grief my journey and even just like focusing on this podcast and things that I do, but you have really made it part of your fabric in the certifications that you've got. You've gone on to get education in grief, which I find so interesting. But before we get to that, tell us what your relationship is with grief. How did you decide that this is something that you wanted to find more about because of your personal connection to it? Well, I tend to think of myself as a man of few words. So my answer is it's complicated. Okay. <laughs> but man, I go way back to childhood. And actually, the first death I experienced was a good friend of mine. He died from spinal meningitis and we were mm -hmm. 10 years old. And I've talked about that occasionally, but man, the words that come to mind are confusion and just I remember thinking back to like, you know, where'd this kid go? Cause all of a sudden his desk right next to me was empty right? and nobody was talking about it. And my mom was really sweet and sincere and she really held space for me, you know, to help me open up and share more if I wanted to, but I was actually like a very, very shy child and I didn't really say much. So I definitely internalized that loss and that grief. And I think that influenced me because actually only a couple of months later, my maternal grandfather died. And so the fifth grade was a tough one for me, but yeah. those things definitely influenced my life. And then, you know, it's weird. I had such a, a difficult relationship with my biological father. He was an alcoholic and he had post-traumatic stress from the Vietnam war. And when I started, you know, really thinking on my own as like a young adult and a teenager, I actually started preparing for his death. Like it was so weird. It was almost like this intuitive feeling that like he was going to take his life. Mm. And cause he never talked about it. My dad was just like the world's number one complainer. He knew, he knew how to gripe about anything. And I laughed because it was mostly about politics and it was mostly about sports. And that was kind of like who he was super unavailable emotionally, except just being angry at the world. Yeah. And so I would call it anticipatory grief, but I wasn't yeah. really conscious of it at the time. And then sure enough, when I was 28 years old, I got the phone call from my brother and he's like, Hey, got some really tough news. Dad's died. And it was a voicemail because I was on the other side of the United States at the time, trying to keep busy with my graduate degree. I was like in complete shock and it just kind of like set me off. And I was like, it's so weird, Gianna, because I was like, I'm in shock, but at the same time, I'm like, Hey, I knew this was coming for a long time intuitively. Yeah. So yeah, man, that was wild. A voicemail that that's, I think the first I've heard that someone found out about a significant loss through a voicemail. What was that experience like? You know, it was really hard for me. I tend to see myself as a helper. I was 2000 miles away when I got the voicemail. I was out in Palo Alto, California at the time I was listening to the voicemail in the backyard of the home where I was renting a room and shock hit me. I looked up, I kind of said words to my dad. I was like, Oh my God, you did it. You son of a bitch. Yeah. And Jenna, I jumped in the pool because I didn't know what else to do. Wow. <laughs> yeah. It was crazy. I was all alone and I was like be beside myself and I'm not really a super vocal person in, you know, the voice expression of my grief. I, I grieve a lot in nature and I grieve a lot through writing. I grieve a lot through listening to others too, believe it or not. But 
I, I didn't know what to do. So I jumped in the water. <laughs> I get that though. I, I feel like that makes sense. That's like a total acceptable move <laughs> when right. I'm hearing that voicemail. And I want to say your whole feeling of like this intuitive thing about your dad passing, I that actually really resonates with me. My story, my dad is from a line of in our lineage that had heart attacks and died early. And I kind of always had this voice in the back of my head of like, go easy on him. He's not going to be here long. And same thing, like when it actually, it doesn't make it any easier, of course, right? But when it actually happened, kind of like you said, like you son of a bitch, you actually did it. You know, like mm -hmm. my dad was a heart attack, but I almost, I almost do find him at fault for his death. Like as if he had a hand in it for just, I don't know, some of the ways he lived his life or, or, or knowing our family history, like not caring enough to stop it, right? So. I do kind of place place blame on him, but I, I wonder with you, with a, a death caused by suicide, how did that impact your your grief or your the closure that you have with your dad? In all honesty, Jenna, I was actually in denial for quite a few years. Yeah, and here here's what happened. I, I I'll try not to get too graphic, but it's really bizarre actually the way he died. Death certificate says subdural hematoma. And so what had happened was somehow he severed his cervical spine and that's how he physically died. Yet the facts are he was all alone in his house. He had like bruising on the top of his head and he had some blood. And what actually happened is that my dad being an alcoholic would seriously binge drink and he was extremely intoxicated he would experience a lot of flashbacks from his, his challenges in the Vietnam War. Oh, wow. What he ended up doing is he bull rushed a wall in his house and he hit the top of his head on the wall and that severed his cervical spine. Wow. So there was no suicide note. And to this day, which at the time of our conversation recording, it's over 16 years ago, I still don't know for a fact was it a true accident or was it intentional? But oh, at the same gosh. time, he was intoxicated and nobody else forced him to do this. So accidental suicide, perhaps, I don't know. I never really thought about it as suicide for probably eight or 10 years. Mm. Actually, when my stepdad, who was a very active father figure in my life, got diagnosed with cancer. And I unfortunately watched his will to live deteriorate over eight years. I started thinking more about my dad and us trying to make sense of what was really difficult to make sense of. And then I, it just kind of came to me where I was like, you know, he actually might've done that to himself intentionally. Is there a um, difference of opinion within your family on that? Good question. I think so. Yes. My brother was the one who made the, the voicemail to me. Now there's no beef between all of us as, you know, siblings and stuff, but I think that he would say it was an accident. Unfortunately, my brother was the one who found him. And so, you know, that might be, be his own process for kind of working through his grief, you know, perception is reality. So mm -hmm. yeah, 
But you're the first person that asked me that. Yeah, I really, really appreciate you asking that. Because I just know how grief can differ so much amongst family members that I can mm -hmm. imagine it could be up to interpretation per person on how it even happened yeah. and how much that can cause issues within the family too, of certainly someone thinking he did this to himself and someone thinking, no, he would never do that. Why would you say such a thing? So that's like a whole added layer that your family has. So I, I imagine that's tough, but you mentioned your stepfather, which is mm -hmm. amazing that you've had such a great relationship with him. Yeah, and he was a rock. Another significant person in your life that you had to watch leave you had two very significant and different experiences between one sudden and and a voicemail and the other you said you know watching him lose the will to live watching him deteriorate that's where that anticipatory grief certainly comes in what do you have to say about the differences of each of those well though they're different and kind of the realities of them both of them are ex were extremely painful yeah, they're both I, their own level of shitty. They're just different. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I do associate, you know, newly bereft as a lot of pain and a lot of hurt. I appreciate the work you do in trying to help bring like some, I would call it lightness to the conversation mm -hmm. of it. And that's why I really like your podcast. Thanks. <laughs> and uh, you're welcome. And also, because I mean, most people really do experience a lot of these heavy emotions. And these heavy emotions literally sometimes paralyze people. I mean, that's how powerful grief can be in one's body and totally. in one's mind. And so to try to bring not just normalization, but to bring lightness to the conversation is a really healthy and much needed balance. And so coming back to your question about the difference, I would say both are painful. You remember when I said the word complicated? Yes. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it takes me back to that. It, it at the time of this recording, my dad has been dead over 16 years and my stepdad has been dead over six years. And I still spend a lot of time really reflecting and trying to make sense of both because not only did I lose them in physical form, I would say that for my dad, I lost two types of relationships. I, I lost the relationship I had, which is the emotional distant relationship and the uh, relationship I wanted which was like yes. to be more emotionally connected yes. to, for him to be more available and talk about like what it means to be a man or what it means to be like, you know, I, I would have loved to share more stories with him about like the authentic life experience. And then you got my stepdad who was just this awesome rock, like this very grounded, wise individual. I agreed the relationship I had with him, which was very positive. But then I, I realized oh my gosh, like for a lot of my youth, I didn't really open up to him. Mm -hmm. So I came up, a lot of guilt came up with that. In the That's the stuff process. that keeps you up at night, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> for me, it's like, at three in the morning, all of a sudden, I'm remembering the time in eighth grade that I didn't want to hang out with my dad because I wanted to hang out with my friends instead. And like, that's it. I'm done for the rest of the night. I can't sleep the guilt just being regular kids you know, like doing things you would normally do, but in not fostering that relationship with the parent or something, it, it all of a sudden comes in these grief situations. I also want to go back to what you said about your dad. My God, you hit the nail on the head of grieving, not only the person, but grieving the relationship that you wish you would have had or would have had the time to foster. I wonder if you encountered people in your life that maybe 
didn't validate your grief because they thought, well, you said you didn't really have that good of a relationship with him. So you're probably not that sad or it's not that big of a loss, right? You know, mm-hmm. I think people encounter that a lot and not realizing that that other subset of grief is what comes in of, okay, even if I'm not grieving the person because that relationship wasn't there, I'm grieving what could have been. And maybe I wasn't making moves right now on making the relationship better. Now I never have the opportunity to. And that like that just gave me chills even saying that because that is so freaking heavy. And that's what I don't think people get. The things that aren't like on the face value of what grief is, like the the kind of like when you have to peel back layers of it a little bit. So did people say that to you? Did you have that? No, I didn't. I think, you know, in all fairness to everyone, because everybody's lives are busy. I think socially, if you think about life living socially, even with family members, you know, everybody's got so much going on. And so it's really rare that people just slow down, pause, help hold space for each other and listen. You know, that's <laughs> that's a missing skill that is is really needed <laughs> in yeah. today. Slow down and listen. But no, I, I didn't really have that. So I, I would say that a lot of my grief was disenfranchised. Fortunately, I didn't get familiar familial pressures to like, quote unquote, move on. Everybody was cool and respectful, but at the same time through family dynamics and my nuclear family, there's a lot of like assumptive communication, if that makes sense. Like a lot Mm -hmm. of us, like, it's almost like we talk to each other, but we don't fully explain where we're coming from. And so (laughs) complicated, it adds more Mm -hmm. complications (laughs) to everything. So that definitely comes to mind to answering your question, Gianna. I like what you said, to hold space for this, you created a lot of space for grief in your life and went on to really study it. And you have this certification in death and grief studies by the Center for Loss and Life Transitions. I'm fascinated by that. What are some of like the the key things that you learned there or things that you took away from that? Well, the Center for Loss and Life Transition is just an amazing, amazing educational institute put together by Dr. Alan Wolfalt. And I mean, that's a man who is passionate about grief education. I think he started his early career in the death care industry with funeral homes and things like that. And then he went on to get like his counseling degree, his doctorate in counseling and, and focused on grief. And there was a personal loss in his life, like his best friend died. I can't remember what type of disease, but Alan tells the story that his grief was very disenfranchised itself. And so he started this institute. And what's neat about it is it's kind of, it's made for adults, meaning like it's seminar format. I would take vacation time for my day job and then go fly to Colorado and be in class all week and learn about certain aspects of grief. And so what I've learned is very comprehensive. And so if I can just grab some of the the key nuggets from the education that I've obtained, I would say that Alan developed a model called the six needs of mourning. And and that's really powerful. Can I recite them verbatim by now? Probably not because I feel pressured, (laughs) but no pressure to do so. (laughs) I'm making um, a note of it now. So maybe I can look it up and I can put it in the show notes for the audience. Well, 
I, I'm willing to try. You've got number one, okay, go acknowledge, for it. acknowledge the reality of the death. And that, and that really has to do with like addressing numbness and shock and disbelief. And like, you, you know, I, I really don't want to reference Alan Sixteen's of Mourning in regards to kind of like a, a, an opposing model of the stages of grief, but, but a lot of people do. So it, I only mention that because it helps make some sense of it okay. all. Um, number two, embrace the pain of loss. And that's really allowing yourself to feel all Love the things that. that come up. Yeah. Number three, remember the person who died. And that's a big, like, kind of impact on the human psyche where it's like, oh, now I got to look at like their possessions. And, and now I really got to think about like, how can I convert all this emotion in my experience into, um, you know, he doesn't use this term, but I do like kind of coming to peace with, with the, the death and then being able to hold memories, both positive and both painful. Mm-hmm. And then number four, develop a new self-identity. Because in my opinion, I think we're all complicated grievers because it all depends on the type of relationship that we have with our loved one who has passed. Mm-hmm. I'm sure you've heard it. Many people say, Gianna, a lot of people re- say, hey, I lost a piece of me when I lost yeah. my, my special person. Yeah. Whether it was parent, child, sibling, spouse, friends. Yeah. You hear people say there's two deaths when it happens, the person who left us and the death of your old self, because you're going to become somebody new. And that's not always a bad thing. It's scary, Mm -hmm. but it's not always a bad thing. Yeah, exactly. Number five, search for meaning. You know, that's actually argued that David Kessler, who's built off of the stages of grief, he Mm -hmm. has a finding meaning stage as his sixth stage, stage of grief. But number six, I think is pretty valuable too. accept and receive ongoing support now and always. Mm-hmm. And that's really cool because, you know, if you think the way the hospice industry, for lack of a better word, works, they provide such a tremendous service for people that are bereft. But it, I think it stops. I think it's like a nation mandate that it stops after 13 months. Wow. And, and it's really interesting that all of a sudden it's cut off. And then yeah. a lot of buzz now because there's a prolonged grief disorder. Yes. That, you know, that I'm, I'll yes, avoid I'll that. I'll be talking about that on an upcoming podcast, actually. <laughs> Fantastic, because it's important. Yeah. But but so that exists too, and that's why I like this sixth need of mourning because it helps normalize that grief can be a lifelong experience. Sure, it may not be as intense, but it will come up. I you know, Father's Day wasn't too long ago at the time of this recording, and I could easily be judged for still grieving my dad who died over 16 years ago and still grieving my stepdad who died over six years ago. And I was like, well, wait a minute, like, hey, I really miss them, you know, and and then I feel some feelings inside and get a little teary eyed and that's perfectly okay. Today's episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. You've heard me talk about how therapy has been an absolute life changer for me. Like I legit don't know where I'd be without it. So if you're on the hunt for a therapy partner, you need to check out BetterHelp. It offers virtual services, assesses your personalized needs, and matches you with a licensed professional therapist that you can start talking to within 48 hours. And it's even more affordable than traditional counseling. Speaking of affordability, they're allowing me to gift you with 
10% off your first month because I love you and I want to see you get the help that you need. You absolutely owe it to yourself to seek the support of a licensed therapist. You probably already do your banking online, read your news online, and do so many other things online. So go ahead and take care of that aching heart. Again, code SSFYL can get you 10% off your first month. They really make it so simple. So go check it out. BetterHelp.com. S-S-F-Y-L. That's B-E-T-T-E-R-H-E-L-P.com slash S-S-F-Y-L. Thanks to BetterHelp for sponsoring this episode. I love this, the the six needs of morning, which first of all, you were like, I'm not going to remember them. And then you just spit them all out perfectly. So uh, I, uh, I'll admit, liar. I, have, <laughs> I, I have studied them. <laughs> <laughs> they were great. I, I'm going to look them up again. I feel like I need to put this out on, on social if you think that's okay and appropriate. I mean, I feel like they're a little bit more detailed and a little bit more, I don't know the word that I'm looking for, but, but like makes more sense for society than just the acceptance denial of the the Kubler-Ross. So yeah, I'm definitely going to look into that a little bit more. That was great. You got the certification and then were you also working on the Grief Refuge app at the same time or did that come after? Tell us how Grief Refuge came into play. All right. Well, that's actually a fun story. By chance, do you have the Calm Meditation app on your phone? I don't have it on my phone. I know about it though. We both know a lot of people have that app on their phone and, and a lot of people use it. And it was just this really neat synchronistic experience. I was in training three of my certification and I gave a presentation on guilt and grief to my classmates. And afterwards, I got approached by three different people who were all sitting at different tables. So I knew it wasn't just, you know, one group. And they were like, hey, you know, great job. And I said, thanks. The consensus was like, hey, you've got a really soothing voice. And then B, maybe you should do some grief meditations. Then one lady who was giving me this positive feedback said, do you know about Calm? And I said, oh yeah, I know about Calm. And she's like, what if you could get some grief meditations on Calm? And I said, that's actually a really good idea. I'm like, do they have a grief category? And she said, no, let's look. And so we're scrolling through what they offer and they offer a lot. We didn't see it. And then I was like, all right, you just planted a seed, my friend. Yeah. And I actually looked up Tamara Levitt, who is the head of content at Calm. I found her on LinkedIn and I just cold messaged her. Good and for you. I, I know, right? And I was like, hey, this is who I am. This is what I do. And I'm wondering, you know, if you're looking to expand on your, your market reach by helping provide some grief meditations. We had some back and forth. I was actually very surprised that she responded and she was very kind. But in the end, nothing ever happened with Calm and Reed Peterson because Calm's business model is very specific. They partner with celebrities who have millions of followers yep. <laughs> on their social platforms or they, they partner with authors of books who have sold millions of copies. Mm -hmm. And so maybe about a week after, you know, my idea was entertained, but then I really understood my rejection notice. <laughs> I was hiking with my wife and my wife's best friend, who's this amazing life coach. You know, she's very spiritual. And she said, I'm just getting this powerful message from spirit right now saying, you can do better. And I'm like, yeah there's no way I'm beating calm. Like <laughs> they have millions of subscribers. 
And she's like, no, I don't mean that. She's like, I'm talking about you creating your own thing. And I was like, what? I mean, I almost fell down. <laughs> I'm glad we weren't on some like mountain peak. Yeah, enormous mountain peak. Hard fall. <laughs> <laughs> and so I was like, all right, let me, you know, let me chew on that for a bit because that's a big undertaking. And, you know, I sat with it for a while and I was like, you know, she's onto something that led to like kind of the, the logistics of like business, such as market research and learning, you know, what kind of features are more valued and then finding developers because I can't develop apps. But then looking at content, that's where I am an expert. I'm a content developer. I was like, all right, let's get to work. I was about mm, three quarters of the way through my training when I started working on the app, Gianna. And then that took a year to build. And then I launched it in the spring of 2021. And, you know, it's, it's been really well received ever since. That's awesome. I love that story and that you went to comm first, but then said, you know what, let me try it on my own. And I love the components that you have in it. So daily thoughts on healing, personal stories, grief journaling, tool for tracking progress. That is my favorite because I feel that is so, so important and so powerful when you're able to look back and say, oh, I actually, I'm doing a little bit better than I thought I was doing. That's something I've actually heard from a lot of my guests, which I love when they hear themselves on the podcast. I've had one that came back to me and said, I'm actually a lot more angry than I thought I was. And I need mm -hmm. to get back into therapy and I need to, to go work on this. And then I had another one that said, I should be a lot easier on myself. I, I sound pretty good. I, I sound like I know what I'm talking about and like I'm really able to process my feelings. So short of having the opportunity to get on a podcast all the time for the audience, this tool within your app to be able to track your thoughts and your emotions really give you a good grasp on how you're doing in your own grief. And then from there, knowing what you need you know, do you need a lot more help? Do you need therapy? Or are you okay maybe just doing a meditation every now and then or whatever it is that works for you? So I love all of that. And then of course, as you said, there is the meditative audio. Why do you think meditation is so good for grief? I'm not a scientist. So, you know, although this is going to be on record, let's, let's say it's unofficial, right? I just think our brains just get so overwhelmed. It's almost like life is flipped upside down. You know, I've, I'm going to make a Stranger Things reference because I've been watching it. Oh, um, so good. That inside out, what a metaphor for grief. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, on Stranger Things, it's really dark and scary. And for many people, grief is so always grief. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I'm like, what, you know, as I'm watching it, like I'm, you know, feeling afraid and feeling fear inside my body, but I'm also like trying to like, step outside my body and be like, Hey, wait a minute. Like dude, they're onto something here. Like this could be like a beautiful image re representation of what grief can feel like for so mm -hmm. many people. Powerful. And by the way, I can't wait till the second part of the last season comes out. Yeah. <laughs> Our brains can get so overwhelmed and so consumed. And really, if there's something that really helps them just one breathe, that's really the essence of meditating, really connecting with your breath. Because if you hold your breath, like it's going to cause a lot of problems for you. <laughs> but then really, really soften like a, a reaction to the emotion. 
most of us aren't even aware that, you know, we're responding and reacting to our own feelings and emotions all the time. And that makes life stressful and that makes life hard. So that's why I think for grievers, meditation can be such a powerful experience. And, and, and I, I really want to preface for everyone listening that it's, it's like a meditation, but it's not like a guided meditation where it's not like sit down, find a comfortable seat, uh, close your eyes, you know, feel your feet on the ground. Mm -hmm. It ain't like that. It's, it's really just like helping people get centered just through like some powerful messaging. They're meditations, but they're almost like daily podcasts too. Yeah. Cause it's like a nice soft conversation to listen yeah. to. You also feel a connection with nature and then that can be really helpful with grief. What are your thoughts on that? A lot of thoughts. Nature has been my savior after Warren, my stepfather died. I didn't know what to do with myself because I was so consumed with loneliness, which was such a surprise to me that mm. I was kind of like fighting it internally. That was some of that like unconscious resistance that I was referencing just a moment ago. And so I'm fortunate enough to say that I live near the Pacific Ocean. And what I would do is after Warren died, he died in June of 2016. And my wife's name is Jessica. I was like, Jess. I just got to go down to the beach. And she's like, okay, take your time. Every day I went down to the beach and I would just sit there and I'd stare at the waves. And I wouldn't even really know how to describe what was happening. But like, I just knew nature was helping my emotions flow through me without me asking it to it. And there were also times, Gianna, in the warmer months where I would go in the ocean, I would go underwater and just scream at the top of my ear. That lungs. is one of the most soothing experiences. I totally get that because I've done it multiple times. <laughs> Have you? Yes. Oh, that's fantastic. I'm so glad to hear that. Yes. I, there something, and even not even just the screaming, but just something about being completely submerged in water. I don't know, maybe it's like the removal of all sound of everything or just like the lightness of your body or just like, it's almost like you're pausing, like you're pausing life for a minute and you're just suspended in water. It's, it's an incredibly healing thing for me. So I, I, I get that. That is amazing. I, the beach is like my place too. And also like anything with water, my husband and I move around the country and we try to be wherever we are at a place where we can just look at our window and see water because it is, it's become a powerful thing to us for, for our grief, for a few reasons. My father passed away and my husband's mom passed away within like a year of each other. And mm. both of them loved the water. They loved the beach. It's like very much happy places for them. So like, we love to feel like we are where they would be. But also I think there's just something to water that explains the vastness of the world and of life. And I think that's what nature does in general. This world and this life is so much bigger than just you. And where this grief right now feels like it's all consuming and that you're gonna drown in it and that's the only thing in this world, it's not. There's so much more out there and if you can just kind of figure out a way to work on yourself and pick your head up, there's so much more to this earth to experience. And look at how beautiful it is and don't you want to, especially now that the people that you're grieving can't. You know, so there's, there. I, I totally, feel that there's so much wrapped up in into nature. I definitely 
have more of a connection to it now than I ever did before. That's so well said. I'm just in awe of that wisdom that you shared. Oh, I thank you. <laughs> You're most welcome. I, I once was at the Grand Canyon. Have you ever been? I have not made it there. What was interesting was I was standing just at the edge or the ledge. I don't even know what to call it. Looking down. And it's just so massive that I had this experience where it really overwhelmed me. I think I felt it in the center of my chest where I was like, yeah. I am just a microcosm of a microcosm of a microcosm. Yes. <laughs> like I'm not even the size of an ant in this greater picture. Yes. And that was really humbling for me. And I just felt like sharing that because I feel like it really connects with some of the experiences you were sharing about yeah. being in nature and how grand it is and how beautiful it is. And, you know, it really, it really helps. I'll call it the egoic mind. It really helps the egoic mind just get in check because mm -hmm. we can sometimes think we're, we're larger than life. Mm -hmm. for sure. Somebody that I had on the podcast had shared with me that they would just go out at night when they would go to close the door to their home at night, they would step outside and just look up at the moon. And that would help center them. It's something so simple like that, that can really make you go like, oh my God, that's a whole, a whole shift, you know? So it's, it's not, it's not hard. It's not far, you know, to the audience, we're not saying you need to go to the Grand Canyon. <laughs> we're not saying you have to go find a beach, you know, just maybe go outside and, and sit by a tree for a minute or, you know, find a little river or Creek in your area, find the smallest thing to be able to connect with nature and and maybe find that it does have a powerful movement to you like that. Is there anything else that you want to hit on with Grief Refuge? I know you do retreats. You have one coming up in October. Do you want to share about that? And maybe some of our audience might be interested. Yeah, of all places, it's in Southern Indiana, but... <laughs> Beautiful that I mean... time of year. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So nature will be very prominent then. There'll be beautiful colors. And also it'll be comfortable weather. It's a special place because my retreat partner, business partner, Andrea, she's like, she's so gifted at finding sacred spaces. And so she's found one at New, in New Harmony, Indiana, and it's a special place. And that's why we're hosting it there. Man, you know, I think grief retreats really help hold that space that we were conversing about earlier. What I love about a grief retreat is there's really no agenda. The way we offer retreats is we call them enrichment activities. There's all these amazing things that can happen. My partner has found a grief Reiki practitioner. Oh, cool. So he's going to bring in um, um, that wonderful lady. There's like a lot of activities and a lot of experiences and a lot of opportunities to share your story because it's so powerful in the healing process and yeah. sharing your story. So it just makes my heart melt because we're in nature and we're with people who want to be there too. Right. People they who see, get it. Yeah. They see the value and how this can help in their healing process. And so I'm grateful to say that, you know, finally, you know, we're at a place as far as dealing with COVID-19 where it's not as much as a, a life threat mm -hmm. as it used to be. And so we feel comfortable hosting the retreats and looking forward to that in October. Yes, I will link to that in the show notes if you're interested. It sounds like it could be something that's very helpful to people who are looking for that type of connection. So that would be great. And then I want to close out on if you were encountering young Reed, who was just about to be going into this 
significant portion of grief after the loss of your dad and after the loss of your stepfather. And I'm sure there have been other losses along the way. What would you tell him? What do you think after all of the information that you've gathered between your personal and professional experiences would be important for him to know starting out on this? I would tell young Reed, all of it is going to be just because of the way you feel love and the way you felt loved by whomever you lost. I mean, there would be a lot of nurturing and handholding in that process because young Reed would have a hard time understanding it. I'm so attached to complication in, in the grieving process. And I just think that when I look back, hindsight being 2020, when I look back a lot about the times when I was feeling a lot of the, the harder, heavier, painful emotions throughout my, my grief journey, I would say like, man, did I judge myself, judge myself a lot. And I really beat myself up and made life a little bit more difficult than it needed to be. So We're that's always our would... toughest, toughest critic. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. It's it's unfortunate, but yet I'd, I'd rather not say that word. I just don't know a better word. I think society puts so much pressure on us of like, okay, move on, you know, let's go. Oh, yeah. You know, life, life is awesome. And yeah, sure, it's awesome, but it, it has sadness to it too. Um, mm -hmm. It has pain and hardness. But so that all ties in with young Reed understanding that, hey, you know, it, it's all it's all part of how you loved and the way you were loved. And, and so take it easy on yourself, Reed. I love that. It, it really is. It's all about love. There's that one quote that I love <laughs> that says, how lucky are we to have experienced a love so great that it makes losing it hard, something to that effect, you know, like awesome. it's, it's, it's a, it's a blessing almost to have this grief because of what we experienced. I've tried to have that woven into my grief because I know like it wasn't always easy. My dad and I had a, you know, here's that word complicated again, complicated relationship, but God, I loved him and God, he loved me. And I just feel so lucky to have experienced that. And like that sometimes becomes my fuel to keep going in remembering the laughter and the good times and knowing that I at least got to have that when so many people don't. So even though it was for much shorter of a time than I would have liked, and you know, I'm sure you feel that way with your, your stepfather and your dad and, and the others in your, in your life, but we, we got to experience that and have that. And to be able to hold on to that is, is important. But that's my thought on that. You're fabulous. Thank you for everything that you brought here today. This was a great conversation. I loved having you on and tell the audience where they can find Grief Refuge, the, the app, and then information on the retreats as well. And I will make sure to link to all of it. Yeah, simply stated, it's all available at griefrefuge.com. But you know, if websites are boring for many people who listen to your podcast, <laughs> They can just find the Grief Refuge app on their phone's app store, whether it's Google Play Store or iPhone app store. Great. Awesome. And hopefully that will do some of the meditative audio that you have and they'll feel nice and calm and uh, be good to go on their grief journey. So thank you so much for being here. I appreciate it. Yeah. Thanks, Gianna. It's been wonderful. Thanks for listening. Head over to Instagram to follow more at So Sorry with Gianna. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts, leave that five-star review. I would love you for it. More to come on this season of So Sorry for Your Loss. So stay tuned.